Hello and welcome to another episode of North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me as always, I have Jeremy White and Liam. Unfortunately, Alex is not feeling well today, so he is not here. Uh, let's start it off actually with something a little bit different today. Liam, you did something special over the weekend. What's up? Yeah, so this weekend I went down to uh, Sonomish, Washington, down to Geek Fortress, mm-hmm. uh, and played in a 1K high-stakes Highlander event there. Uh, went down with a couple of other Victorians, and uh, just wanted to give a special shout-out to all the podcast listeners I met there. It was nice. really nice meeting everyone. Uh, and uh, just sort of throw down the gauntlet if you're in that area, come to the next one. Uh, we brought five people down in the car, and four of us made top eight, and we won oh. the event. So Wow. Come stop us. Uh-oh. Wow, Liam, <laughs> Liam throwing the gauntlet here. I, I will also point out at least three of the other four people who top eight, and I know are podcast listeners as well, so shout-outs to all of those people as oh, well. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. So, so you're saying that listening to the podcast makes you a much better Canadian Highlander player. It, it turns out, oh, yeah. snap. Yeah. Excellent. With, Excellent. With our limited... <laughs> With our limited, you know, sample size of data here, that's the only conclusion we can we can possibly reach. Yeah. All right, back to our regularly scheduled early uh, programming here. The best card you're not playing uh, up to date is me, and uh, I've been brewing some Celestial Midrange. Uh, every now and then, I do I too get the urge to just like turn creatures sideways, and a spicy card that nobody but me seems to be playing is Troll. I don't even know how to pronounce this word. Aesthetic. 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 There's no other T. All right. Anyways, this card, Troll Ascetic, is a three mana three two for one green green. It is a troll shaman. It has hexproof, which means it can't be targeted by your opponent, and you can regenerate for one and a green. I basically call this card Thrun Two. Uh, now, mind you, Thrun is also uncounterable, but I think this card does a lot of the things that you that you like Thrun doing. Um, it blanks all the removal. And it's a great blocker or even a great attacker unfavorably and stuff like that. So um, lately in the meta, there's been a lot of Jeskai. Uh, there's been a lot of removal. And I've been I've been really enjoying these, these sort of persistent hexproof uninteractable cards. Because uh, they're good and they they, they get them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. There's, there's nothing like a little hexproof to make your opponent look at their lightning bolt and feel bad. Yeah. This card used to be nuts. People used to play this card I, a ton. I think this card still is really good. As as people focus more and more on on playing removal to deal with creatures, like <clears throat> there came a time when control decks had to play cards like uh, Seagate Oracle and Court Hussar yeah. and and so, Trinket Trinch- Mage to rely on blocking and letting them live through the early game. But now they're just playing all removal spells because they're more efficient. Yeah. And if you can stick this on turn two on the play before underneath their counter spells, they're just going to look at their hand of removal and be like, yee. Yeah, it even gets through wraths, right? Yeah, yeah. well, with the yeah. exception of the ones that you can't regenerate. But no, it's solid. And the whole point of the, the Slesnia deck is to skip turn two. It's like turn one, any type of acceleration, so you can play a three drop on turn two. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think this card's underplayed, and uh, and uh, you should too. That's not how that sentence is. <laughs> are are what you playing I'm... worship in your deck? What is worship? Uh, it's a three Wait, and a white. Did you say worship or warship? Worship. Worship. W o r s h i p. So like the the thing you do at a place of of worship. worship. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I've never so even heard of this card. Three and a white enchantment. It reads damage that would reduce your life total to less than one. Instead, reduce it to one as long as you control a creature. Pretty good with hexproof creatures. And that also regenerate. So the, the joke with this is that in, in modern you play it with like Sylvan Caryatid, Thrun, a bunch of things that just can never die, and then you can never die. Is it good? 
I, it's, you can't die. How bad is that? It, but you, you never it, lose it to mono red if you skip this card. It blanks a lot of combos. It blanks. But like mono red can't beat you if you have this and thrown in play. I did die to scape shift. It would beat scape shift twice. Yeah, yeah. You you yep. got scape shift covered with this card. They need to remove this or all of your creatures, which is usually pretty hard. Mm -hmm. I don't hate this. I, I think it's a, I think it's under underplayed. Whoa! I hate that. Whoa! Whoa. Um, mean, I don't I don't I don't instinctively hate hate the what are these called again? Invocations. Invocations. I I don't hate this. They look a lot better in paper than they yeah, do yeah, 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 yeah. online. I will say I will say that in their interesting in their benefit. Okay, I might try this. I'll report back. Thanks for the hot tip. All right, today's episode, the actual theme of today. Uh, but first, thank you for the reminder. I need to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by you over with your uh, support of the Patreon. So patreon.com slash run. Let's run make all these shows, including this one. And we couldn't do it without you. And uh, thank you for the reminder, Liam. No worries. <laughs> today's theme, we're going to do the iconic master set review. Um, last episode, we talked about a new segment on Let's Talk About, and we saw your comments, and we see that there, there's a lot of interest in us going through that, and we will do that, I promise. In except, <laughs> Except this comes out on Friday, and we should probably talk about the set review before it comes out, and then we can get to all of these sweet, sweet different archetypes to talk about. Uh, so like last time, we're going to go through the set in Wooburg order, alphabetically, uh, so you can follow on the spoilers, and we're going to be examining the cards from the point of view that Highlander can be tough to get into, but suddenly with Iconic Masters out here, a lot of these cards are now more available and easier to get, and so this is going to be sort of your watch list if you're drafting this, if you pick up a box, these are the cards that can easily slide into your Highlander decks. Anything yeah. to add to that before we get started? And, and it's worth noting that with these ones, it's a lot less speculation on our part. We've mm. played all of these cards already, so we're, yeah, we're not going to be talking about these cards in a hypothetical sense. It's going to be much more, we know whether it's a good card or it's a bad card, and uh, we'll try to explain why we, why we think that. Or, I mean, we haven't included any yeah. bad cards, but why it's maybe more <laughs> narrow or more widely applicable. Sure. All right, let's get started. <clears throat> our first card is... Archangel of Thune. This is a five mana angel for three white white. It is a three four. It has flying, lifelink, and whenever you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Jer, start us off. Tell me about this card. So I'd describe this card as a, a solid Highlander card. I wouldn't quite call it a staple, but it's a bit more than niche playable. Mm -hmm. You don't really play it as a value card too often. You, I, I could see it. I've, I've it certainly won me some value games in decks I've played it in, but primarily you play it alongside Spike Feeder, which is a one green green zero zero that enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters, mm -hmm. and you can remove a counter from Spike Feeder to gain two life. Uh, and so with both of these creatures in play, you remove a counter from Spike Feeder to gain two life, Archangel triggers, Spike Feeder gets another counter, all your other, you, you gain an arbitrarily large amount of life, all your other creatures get arbitrarily large. Yeah. And it's 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 an infinite combo basically yeah, yeah. of <laughs> infinitely large creatures and an infinitely large life total. Yeah, so that's primarily where you see it. Mm -hmm. Although you can pretty much play it in any green green and white deck. Uh, it's really nice because the combo doesn't use the graveyard, which lots of other yeah. creature combos use. So when this card got printed, people were really excited to yeah. slot that in because primarily those decks were pretty much unable to beat any form of graveyard hate at the time. They had to remove it in order to win the game. So when mm. the, these got printed, people were super happy. This card's also good, and the combo in general is good, because 
Uh, both the cards involved are just like reasonable cards by but, themselves. Yeah, yeah, like spike feet are not spectacular, but it's it's it does a good job against mono red. Like even just yeah. gaining four life is great. And this card again is not like it's not Baneslayer Angel, but it's good. It's still it's still a powerful card. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to our next card. Next up, we have Oriok Champion. For white, white, it is a 1-1 human cleric. Protection from black and red. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you may gain one life. Liam. Yeah, so this is your Soul Sisters card, I guess. Yeah. Oriok Champion is actually a card that Jared put on the list, not I. So he might be slightly more qualified to tell you exactly what it goes in. I I, I don't think he's going to disagree with me, though, when I say that this card is, like, narrow playable, right? There's not a not a ton of archetypes that are going to play it's it. It's definitely but, but... a niche card, and I'd call it more of a meta card. If there's lots of black removal decks okay. or lots of aggro decks in general, this is a pretty reasonable card to have in any white-based creature deck. It'll help you win races. It can sit there and block. And if all their creatures are black and red, it, it holds equipment super well yeah. and will get it and is virtually unblockable and unkillable. So it, I'd call it more of a meta card. Would you call? Would you put it in mid range or like a white weenie aggressive deck? Uh, it could see play in either. I don't know how many like primarily white based mid range decks exist. Like I don't know how many. I just there talked is, about my Celestia mid range. There's decks. also I, big I, white. I, <laughs> I guess I don't. I is your deck base green or base white? It's base green. Yeah. yeah so yeah, so yeah. like white white is kind of tough. Yeah. On this deck. White 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 on two is tough. Like yeah. I. In, in two-color decks, I'll typically start playing, like, like white is usually the support color, even in two-color decks. So I'll, yeah. I'll start playing white-white starting turn three for the really good cards, like Brimaz and um, Alex showed up with a, uh, a white-black aggro deck, sort of a, uh, a hate bearsy list. And I think that was base-white with a black splash. Yeah, you so... could, any, any deck that is base-white could can conceivably play this card. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we have the Doomed Traveler. For a single white, you get a 1-1. One, one. It's a human soldier, and when it dies, you replace it with a 1-1 one, one white spirit token. We'll go to uh, a bit that has flying, notably. Liam, let's go to you again. Yes. Tell me about the Traveler. So this card, not super widely playable, but in the decks that it's playable in, mm -hmm. it's really good. Uh, most commonly, this card sees play in the Aristocrats, uh, which is a really, really powerful mid-range deck. Um, and this card's just great, right? It's two bodies for one mana. Uh, the fact that the spirit has flying comes up all the time. You can often, you know, sacrifice the Doom Traveler for a little bit of value, and then that spirit does like three or four damage or because it has flying. Uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing <laughs> happens too. Like the, this yeah. card's like a solid role player in the decks that it's good in. Uh, it's not a card you're looking to play in everything, but in the in the decks that you actively are looking to sacrifice things for value, this card's great. Would Definitely. you try and put this in like a flying man list? Probably not. Okay. Uh, you want to be able to reliably kill this yourself. Sure. Um, so if you can't do that, then it's it's not going to be even. It's not. It's it's just not a potent enough effect. Uh, there's there's better ones that you can play. Yeah. And then the last question would be: Would you put this in like a white winning archetype because it's low and white? Yeah. Again, probably not. If you were looking for uh, like a budget alternative, and maybe if you were playing a white winning deck with a lot of anthem effects, sure. Uh, this card gets better, but but I don't. I I think this is pretty low on the list. Sure. Another deck I could see playing it in is actually a tokens deck with a lot of yeah a lot of anthems. yeah yeah, and because that's a deck that typically wants to play a lot of anthems and getting two bodies out of a one drop is super valuable in a yeah, deck like that. That's especially because that deck wants lots of setup turns, and this is also just like a good red block early, and then contributes to your game plan. Later. Yeah, sure, sure. Nice. All right, yeah. moving on. Uh, next up, we have Elish Norn, the Grand Cenobite, is a 7-mana 4-7 for 5 white-white. It is a legendary Praetor, has Vigilance, and then some fancy text that say other creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. 
Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Jer. Uh, so this is pretty, pretty classically a, a card you're not going to cast very often, but somehow manages to get into play quite Far often. Too often yeah. yeah. So you'll play it in Reanimator is probably the the most classic one, but you can also play it in like any deck that's looking to cheat big creatures into play. Uh, especially ways that where it gets to stick around, so maybe not if you're like sneak attacking or shallow graving. Sure. But if you're show and telling or Oath of Druidzing or reanimating. Yeah. But uh, the fact that this gets to stay in play basically makes it impossible for creature decks to, yeah. to beat you. This just shuts down some archetypes. Now, how would you compare this to something like Massacre Worm? Uh, so Massacre Worm is... Uh, three and three black for yeah. a six five. When enters the battlefield, creatures your opponents control get minus two minus two, and they lose two life. It has a static ability. They lose two life for each creature. Whenever a creature they control dies, mm -hmm. uh, so they're they're both good. But Massacre Worm is sort of a one time shot. Yeah. Whereas this is a continuous a continuous effect. It's a static ability. So I think Elishnorn sees more play because it's better more often. More often you just rather have the board constantly under yeah. control than Massacre Worm just like coming in and hitting, getting yep. the one shot effect. Was this in your Celestia deck? Were you going this high? Because occasionally that happens too, right? No, You're like I'm playing that's... a lot of ramp and you have one oh. seven. That is... Oh man, you guys are going to change my entire deck. I'm going to show up with this like Worship the Cenobite deck after this. Forget Celestia mid-range. Well, we just improved the name at least. <laughs> I do have a fancy judge printing of Elish Norn as well. Oh, there you go. It's it's, it's in it looks Phyrexian so good. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The art is so badass on this card. I haven't really looked at it in like super close detail. Yeah, I like this card a lot. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, next, the... oh, there it is. Thank you, Graham. God, that card looks so good. All right. After Elish Norn, we have Amiria Angel. Jer, this is, we might have to throw to Jer again on this one. Mirror oh, Angel. I going to give my opinion. All right, is a four mana 3-3 three, three for two white white. And it's an angel, it has flying and landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may create a 1-1 one, one bird token with flying. All right, Liam, tell All right. your thoughts. So uh, this card is like reasonable, and it's probably a reasonable budget inclusion in a bunch of your decks. It's like, it's powerful, it's going to do good things. Uh, but ultimately, <coughs> on average, I would say this card um, is a little worse than some of the other options at 4 mana. That being said, uh, Jarrah's killed too many people with this cards for, card for me to say that it's actively bad. Uh, but I, this, is, this is the other one that Jarrah slipped into the list, uh, and it's because he's the only one who plays it. Uh, it's true. <laughs> what did you play this in? What, 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 are, you, what are you taking advantage uh, Mid-range decks, any okay. decks that can abuse landfall. So recently I've been, I've been playing a lot of decks with like, the new card, Ramanap Excavator, that's like the yep. Crucible of Worlds on with legs, uh, Knight of the Reliquary, just things that interact with lands. And so I play a typically higher land count mm -hmm. than usual because I play playing a lot of utility lands. So I want to play some things that uh, sort of like have some flood prevention and, and give me some utility for playing a higher land count. So creatures like this really are nice in, in that effect. And also... Any deck with equipment, having multiple flyers is often a really good way to guarantee your equipment gets through. Hmm. So, because often, if you put a, a sword on this, a 5-5 five, five flyer is 
very rarely going to get beaten in combat. Yeah. And if they do manage to have a removal spell and any of the 1-1 one, one flyers you've created, if you put a sword on that, 3-3 three, three flyer often still huh. able to get in. <clears throat> Alright, fair enough. Something to keep your eye on. Alright, next up, we have... Waiting for prompting from Graham. Haha! <laughs> oh, the Restoration Angel! Four mana, three, four angel that has flash and flying, and when Restoration Angel enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-angel, very relevant, creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your control. Yeah, this card doesn't flicker Karmic Guide, which most important actually matters a lot. Or itself. Or Mary Angel. <laughs> okay, the first two are relevant, the last one... Doesn't ooh. have any TB trigger. They're trying to kill it. <laughs> Obviously. Um, so so this card has a, a bunch of pretty broad applications. Yeah, this card's uh, great. It gets played in the blue blue X control card strategies. Yep. A lot of them are going to play this because it's great to be able to hold up a counter spell and then, bam, play this flash flyer on their end step. Um, it sees play in a lot of the value creature decks because there's a lot of ETB effects you're yeah. rebuying. Um, <clears throat> it sees play in... Uh, the really combo-oriented creature decks as well, uh, for similar reasons, because you're trying to rebuy um, ETB effects from creatures. Uh, in some cases, they are Kiki-Jiki, right? This combos with Kiki-Jiki. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Restoration Angel is really powerful. Uh, you, you're never unhappy to have this one, and, and it's, it's honestly, it's one of those cards that you kind of can include in almost any white strategy, yeah, and you're going to be happy that, to be playing it. This is probably the first, like, real format staple. This is definitely yeah. a staple. Yeah, 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 we've yeah had. absolutely. All right, but one important point uh, okay. Do you like the promo art better or the no, original art? I'm I, I'm big on the original art. I'm of this big card. on the original art as well. I don't remember the difference. The original art is like the angel occupies a lot it, more. It of the feels screen. more colorful. Yeah, yeah. There. yeah. See, oh, she's just this, like this art whoa. is like one of my favorite arts. Yeah, that's so OG insane. art is really good. Look at the texture on those wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. Yeah. No. Original. Original Innistrad wins. I was sort of disappointed they didn't. Go back throw, to that. Throw, throw us back with some OG Graham? art. I, I kind of like the anime one. The anime it, one. It, this this looks like an anime. Yeah, I mean, it, it does look like does. his wife who is here to save I'm, him. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to say this art is bad. No. I'm just saying like the other one's really good. Th yeah. This art's like a seven. The other art's like a nine and a half. Yeah, I I, I agree with Jared too. I think I think this art's like fine, but I like the other art more. <laughs> Alright, moving on. After that, we have this Seeker of the Way. It is a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two for 1 and a white, a human warrior that has Prowess, which is an ability that whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. Also, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Seeker of the Way gains lifelink until end of turn. I think Jared's up. Jared, tell me about this card. Alright. Um, so this card sees a lot of play in either a combination of white-blue or white-red decks, because you often want to be really spell-heavy, and those yeah. are the two colors that sort of lend themselves to allow you to do that. Uh, it's a good aggressive creature, because if you're casting spells proactively, like cantrip spells like Ponder or Preordain, or burn spells or removal spells from from red or even white, you're getting getting the triggers, and then it's attacking as a 3-3 as a three, three or even a 4-4. Four, four, and it's really, really good against red decks, because the, if, you, if you get one hit of this in, you feel like you've like gotten away with, with something like the value against red decks is just so strong. Like Yeah, even just like against red, just not attacking with it, but having open mana, it becomes like so scary for them to attack into it because if you ever play, like if they attack with two creatures and you like remove one of them and then get to block with this as a lifelinker, it's such a blowout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, next up we have probably one of the most powerful magic cards ever printed, in my opinion. Swords to Plowshares. Yeah. It's an instant for a single white. It just says exit, exit. 
goodness. I mean, exiled. it basically does exit. <laughs> yes. Exit Ex stage left. Yes, exit target creature <laughs> stage left. Exile target creature, its controller gains life equal to its power. So and this is non-conditional removal. It just, it's just gone. I was going to say, or you, you go ahead. Sorry, and it doesn't impact the board like Path Exile. It yeah. actually gives your opponent like a super tangible advantage. It, it ramps them. Giving them life is is kind of kind of a bummer, but like a lot of decks don't care. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say the sword in this could conceivably be you know the cane kind of hooking him off to stage left. <laughs> I think to really make that full paraphrase land, you need to do the the complete exit stage left pursued by hate bear. Because ah. <laughs> the original is pursued by a bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, this card's amazing. Um, get it in all your decks if you have white. It's very, very, very rare for you to play a white deck and not have this in. Yeah. <laughs> Jared and I both did it on Monday, but that's fine. <laughs> we can we're talk about that another time. We're playing zero removal spells. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, moving on. Next up, we're in blue. Our first blue card is Ancestral Vision. It is a sorcery that has no mana cost. Instead, it has to spend a four for a single blue. So rather than cast it from your hand, pay blue and exile it with four time counters on it. Beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When the last one is removed, you may cast it for free. And it says, target player draws three cards. I know you like those words, Liam. Tell I, me about this card. I, I am a fan of target player drawing three cards, usually when that player is me. Mm. Though occasionally when it's my opponent. Um, this card's really good. I, I learned when I was putting the list together for the episode yeah. that it is not Ancestral Visions, which is what I've been saying for my entire life. It's oh. Ancestral Vision. Singular Vision. It's a singular vision, yes, okay. exactly. Uh, which makes sense, given that, you know, it's Ancestral Recall, not Ancestral Recalls. But... Uh, but you draw three cards. There is a plural. I, I know. So, so, so this card's great. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to see play in any blue-based attrition deck, so any control deck is pretty happy to play this card. The tempo decks will often play this card. Uh, not always, it's not as ubiquitous there. Um, but yeah, th this card's very good. The Jeskai decks play this card, the mid-range decks play this card. Um, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a meta card. I think there are times when you don't want to play it. Um, getting this it's remanded. It's a bad top deck. Yeah, and getting this remanded feels so bad. And and yeah, when the, when the format's really low, it, it feels bad to lose a game while this is on suspend. Yeah, because yeah. it's just a card that did nothing. Yeah, but but the times when you do get to cast it are, are obviously very powerful. There's this interesting debate too of like if you're in the control mirror, do you fight over the ancestral visions or not? I always Vision. do. Vision. Yeah. <laughs> the you guys are missing the best use case of this card, which is taking advantage of the fact that you can cast it for zero sometimes. Oh, well, now you can't. Four, out of as your foretold, out of a lot of ways, there's so many ways you can cheat into play. Mirror. Panoptic Mirror, anything with Cascade, if you somehow have an Omniscience in play. I mean, mind you, if you have Omniscience in play, you're probably already winning. <laughs> have you heard the the uh, Rashmi story that happened at this? So the, we were playing a fun tournament okay. at someone's house. And uh, <clears throat> Pat Produsco, who won the tournament in Sonomish, great player, uh, didn't know how Rashmi, though, works. Rashmi, I don't even know what Rashmi so does. So Rashmi is this card from, I don't even know her full epithet, but Rashmi <laughs> is this card from... Uh, Kaladesh, Kaladesh or I think. Aether Yeah, she's blue-green. And basically, every time you cast a spell, you flip over the top card of your library. Yeah, so you're looking for Rushmi Eternity's Crafter. Yeah. Eternity's okay. Crafter. So whenever you cast a spell, uh, the first spell of your turn, you reveal the top card of your library. If it's not land with convertible card mana cost less, then you can cast it without paying its mana cost. If you don't, then you just put that card in your hand. So this is sort of like one card cascade, right? You cast sure. your first spell, you flip. If, it's ca if you would be able to, to cascade into it, you get to cast it. But otherwise, you just draw it. Well, Pat thought this just gave your first spell of the turn, Cascade. And so 
he had cast this, and then on his next turn he went, uh, cast this Thoughtseize, and then just started flipping over cards from the top of his deck, expecting to hit Ancestral Vision. And then we're just playing this like tournament for fun. There are no judges there. And halfway through they realize what happens. And so they're like, uh, what do we do? They like we're like, well, there were like there were like twelve of fourteen of us there, and so we're like discussing what the what the fix is. I definitely got a frantic Facebook Facebook message. <laughs> this is when this is when you start getting text messages at one in the morning. Judge, you're yeah. like, I'm in bed, yeah. but you know, whatever. All right. In conclusion, ancestral vision. Good card. You should play it. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have condescend. Condescend is a counter spell for X and blue. It's an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays X. And scry two, Jer. Uh, the way I describe this card is it's like counterspell number 10-ish. If you want to play a bunch of counterspells, this card's great. Yep. Put it in your deck. If you only want to play a few counterspells, it'll often not make the cut. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's exactly right. Cool. Yep. All right, let's move on. Solid role player. Uh, next up, we have the Consecrated Sphinx. Mm -hmm. It is a 6-mana 4-6 four, for 4 blue-blue. It's a Sphinx. Uh, it has flying, and whenever an opponent draws a card... You may draw two cards. Pretty handy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this card's really good. Um, <laughs> is it just me? I'm just looking at the art now. Does it not look like like a bat with really muscular arms to you? It's got no, like it, a weird mask. It's got face. really, really weird art. Yeah. yeah. It, it's always been a really, really All right. weird I art. I haven't looked at the art too closely because yeah. I'm always dying to it. Um, <laughs> so, so who's playing this card? Uh, control decks are going to play this card yeah. sometimes. Uh, ramp strategies are going to play this card. I actually like the invocation art for this one. Hmm. Um, I think it looks yeah. really cool. Um, more sphinxy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so ramp strategies uh, are maybe sometimes going to play this card. It's honestly, the, as the format has gotten faster, Consecrated Sphinx has, I think, gone farther and farther into the background. It used to be a huge staple, well, yeah. Well, you used to end up in these control, you'd see these control mirrors where both players have a Consecrated Sphinx oh, in play. Oh, they're sweating. Right, yeah, and it's basically yeah. this like game of chicken as to who says I'm going to stop drawing cards first. But it's not actually because you're drawing two cards at well, a time. Well, so if people know what happens, so I draw one card, my opponent draws two cards, I have a Consecrated Sphinx, two. I can draw four. And then they look at my four cards, and they can draw eight. And then you start sweating. And you're like, well, I'll take 16. How many are you going to take? And they're just like... <sighs> you, it's, it's important and, it, and it is a maze. So yeah. You don't have to. You can to. stop whatever you and, want, but and, are you the one who chickens out first? And can you... You can... It, once you... It's like, so I draw two cards. You get two separate Consecrated Sphinx triggers, right? It's not a trigger. Yeah. Wait, it is a trigger. It is a trigger. It is a trigger. It it is a trigger. Whenever. So, yeah. so I, I, I don't have to take I don't have to take sixteen when I draw when when you draw eight. You could I can also draw, draw eight, eight instead or something. But yeah, that happens less often. But it was funny. I miss those days. Yeah, you'd walk by and you'd have control players with like all of their cards in their yeah. hand trying to figure out how they win the game. Um, <laughs> increasing. <laughs> yeah, Graham. This I'm holding my whole deck and I can't win. Um, Welcome to next, control. Next stream, Jeremy and I will both bring Consecrated Sphinx decks or something. We'll see if we can make this happen. Oh, the dream. Um, Challenge th accepted. This card's good, um, but it does cost six mana, and increasingly costing six mana is, is a big deal in the format. Yeah. Um, this, if, you, if, you, if you're someone who opens this card and you're excited about playing it, you totally can. Get it in uh, there. You're going to want to try and play a ramp or, or a heavy control strategy. Yeah, to do slower something. control, power yeah. control deck. All right, next up, we have Cryptic Command, another counter spell. Ooh. For one, blue, 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 you get to choose up to two modes. The modes include counter target spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand, tap all creatures your opponents control, and draw a card. Tell me about this card, Jer. Uh, this card is great. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the best counter spells ever printed. Unlike Condescend, it's like counter spell number like two or three. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes number one. Yeah. Sometimes number one. Getting in there. Uh, important sort of card specific things. 
Uh, it's a modal spell and has you can choose two modes. If you choose one mode that isn't, so if you choose like counter target spell and draw a card, if that spell becomes an illegal target, the whole the yeah. whole the whole spell fizzles. Same with return target permanent, the whole spell fizzles. Yeah. Uh, you, so you can sometimes goozle get, people, get your opponents, or get goozled. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this card just do, does everything. It's a Swiss Swiss Army knife of a blue card. To clarify, that's that's because the uh, the 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 latter two modes don't have targets. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. if you only pick one mode with a target, and yeah. that target becomes illegal, yeah. then the whole thing. If, is... If a exactly, spell has a yeah. target and it no longer has a legal target, it gets countered by state-based actions, even if there's other words on it. Whereas if a card still has at least one legal target when it's trying to resolve, it'll it'll resolve as much as it can. So if you counter target spell and return target permanent, and only one of those spells becomes you're, becomes you're illegal, then the other thing still it, happens. It's, yeah, cool. yeah if, it, if a spell still has targets, it'll try to resolve as much as it can. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's worth noting that from a gameplay perspective, though, you want to make sure that, like, let's say, for instance, you really need to be able to tap your opponent's creatures. Sometimes you might want to get greedy and, like, also bounce a land or also bounce a permanent. But you you do open yourself up to counterplay there if they, like, yeah. you, like, try to bounce their coercive portal and they, like, naturalize it in response, then you just die. Yeah. So sometimes you got to take the slightly less greedy line. Don't, don't do any of the targeting modes or pick all the targeting modes. And, and quite often, if you just need to draw a card, you're like, oh, well, I'll just bounce this land here and they have a wasteland, they can wasteland their land and then you don't get to draw the card and then you're like, oh, I'm ruined. The, the one last thing about Cryptic Command is that uh, it is triple blue, so you shouldn't necessarily try and jam it in every sure. deck. That's um, true. But most of the decks that are playing counter spells are base blue, so it should be fine. All right, next up we have Flusterstorm. Flutterstorm? Flusterstorm. Flusterstorm. It is a one blue instant counter spell. Target, uh, counter target instant or sorcery unless its controller pays one. And notably, it has Storm. So when you cast a spell, copy it for each spell cast before on the turn. So if five spells have been cast, this is the sixth spell, you will get six four spikes. Yeah. Uh, Liam, tell me about the spell. So it only hits instants or sorceries, yep. which leans it towards being uh, a spell that combo decks are going to play. Yeah. Typically, you don't play it in much else because they're just better <laughs> counter spells. But if, if you're a combo deck, this one can be pretty reasonable because it's a it's a counter spell that's very hard to interact with. It's often going to be the last counter spell, or in this case, counter spells on the stack, right? Because you can end up with three or four copies of Th Flusterstorm, and your opponent only has one mana. And, and even if they can spell Pierce one of them, they're still going to they're still going to uh, lose to the Flusterstorm. Um, I would I tend to not play Flusterstorm very often. Um, yeah, I think you're similar, right? We both basically only play it in combo decks. Yeah, and and just to elaborate on your point of why you predominantly play it in combo decks is when you're playing a combo deck and you're looking for a defensive counter spell, you're typically tapping mana to play the first spell. Then theoretically your opponent is tapping mana to counter your spell. Then you're casting Flusterstorm third. So you're already getting three copies of it. Whereas if you're just playing it as like a second spell pierce or a techie spell pierce, not as good. Your opponent's casting an instant or sorcery you want to counter, then you're casting Flusterstorm, and you're only getting two copies out of it. Yeah. Is uh, just as a question because the the because the card has Storm, is this meant to be? Do you more often find yourself using this against Storm or just targeting one spell with four spell periods? Yeah, you target one. It's not a lot of play in, in Legacy and in, in Standard Construct, in st not Standard, but in, in those sort of constructed formats as a sideboard card to bring in against it, it's less good in Highlander, sort of for the use case you're talking about. Yeah, you're you're more often four of these copies are all targeting yeah. the same thing as it's, opposed 
opposed to yeah. one of these copies is targeting yeah, a bunch of different It's stuff. not often your opponent goes like, Tendrils, Storm Trigger, you let it resolve. They have no other mana. And then you slam your Fluster Storm like, and you oh! Fluster Storm every yeah, single yeah, Tendrils yeah. copy. No, no. That doesn't happen very often, no. Uh, all right, we are going to have to start powering a little bit. We're, uh, yep. we're, we're cool. moving slowly. <laughs> it's all good. Next up, we have Jin Gataxis, the Core Augur. This is a 10 mana 5-4, another Praetor for 8 blue-blue. It has Flash. At the beginning of your end step, draw 7 cards, and each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by 7. I don't know who's up now. We've been going back and forth Jared. a lot. Jared, tell me about this card. Uh, so this is another card that often doesn't get cast, but ends up in play a bunch. Uh, this I've never one, seen this card cast. This one almost almost solely in Reanimator. It's, it's sort of Grizzlebrand number 2. It's a way to refill... And if it gets to stick around, you you basically can't lose. Uh, your opponent has has to discard every card they have in their end step, unless they have something changing their maximum hand size. The downside. And oh, you're just getting so much value from it. The downside is it's not a very fast clock at, at five power. So they have more turns to get out than sort of the classic big dumb reanimator targets. They, but they have to top deck <laughs> yeah. the way out. Yeah, right? that's true. And and you're just getting so much value from it, you're, you'll be able to assemble a, a very fast clock very quickly. Like a common play pattern with this card is that you get it, you draw seven cards, they kill it, you reanimate it again, you draw seven more cards, they kill it, you got you get it back again. Like, that that happens. Yeah. Alright, next up, we have another one of the most powerful magic cards ever printed, and a hotly debated card in the community right now as to whether or not it should be pointed. We oh. have Mana Drain. Don't, don't get us started. <laughs> For blue and a blue, it says counter target spell. At the beginning of your next main phase, add an amount of colorless mana to your mana pool equal to the countered spell's CMC. Liam. Yeah, so I don't want to get overly political, so I'm going to analyze this like quite quickly. Uh, this counter spell is really good. It is the best counter spell. Um, but yeah, so if you open it, congratulations. You now have a very powerful counter spell to play very in your deck. Very powerful. Uh, I don't think there's that much more to say about it, right? Like. You get a bunch of mana. That's really good. You you can use the mana. Um, yeah, it's mana it's drain, really good. Great spell. Yep. Ten out of ten. All right. Next up, we have mana leak. Close to the same words, but not quite as good. Eight out of uh, ten. For one and a blue, <laughs> it's an instant. It says counter target spell, unless its controller pays three. Jer, this is <clears throat> counter spell number five or six. <laughs> gets it. Gets it almost every blue yeah. deck. We have an actual list if people are interested. Oh. Uh, notably for this one, uh, because it's not blue-blue, it's a lot easier to splash in, in decks that don't that aren't base blue. Yep. Uh, so it sees a lot more play because it's just easier to get into things. Yep. Really castable. Uh, next up we have Repeal. Repeal for X and a blue is an instant. Return target non-land permanent, notable, with CMC X or less, and draw a card. Yeah, this card actually gets cast uh, mostly in combo decks. Yeah. Um, oftentimes targeting your own things, actually. So you'll do things like repeal your own cam Candelabra of Talnos to be able to get extra uses out of it. Uh, it ha it's nice because it has the duality of being usable on your opponent's stuff if you need to get rid of a problematic permanent. Um, this card's good. It doesn't see as much playing control or tempo strategies. You can play it, but typically that slot is occupied by Into the Royal. Um, but yeah, repeal, good good card. If you're making a lot of mana, definitely uh, a reasonable one to put into your deck. Yeah, and just a quick note, it isn't X or less, it's exactly X. Oh, yeah. I'm and sorry. So th the, the things that could come up on is if your opponent has Chalice of the Void on a number, you can't won't be able to resolve it for that number if they remember their trigger. Hmm. And for Sanctum Prelate, one of the more common numbers named is 4 to stop 
yeah. wraths, and so you can't actually repeal a Sanctum Prelate naming four. The reason being X is three plus the blue mana, so repeal now has a CMC of four on the stack. Exactly. <clears throat> and so it's like functionally the same 99% of the time, but there's that yeah. 1%. Uh, next up, we have Teferi, Mage of Zalfir? Did I get that right? Yeah. Five mana. Did you get Teferi right? I think it's Teferi, isn't it? What? Yeah. I think it's I Teferi think, as well. Yeah. So I got Zalfir right, but I pronounced his name wrong? That is correct. <laughs> All right, so we have a mysterious human wizard. <laughs> Some kind of a legend with flash. It's a three, four for five. So two, blue, blue, blue. Creatures, Creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield have flash. Each opponent can cast spells only any time they could cast a sorcery. Tell me about this card, Jar. Uh, so this card is kind of a more more niche card. You'll see it played more when there's lots of blue decks in the format as it's sort of like a blue trump card because that means that all their instants basically yeah, are hoses the... neutered into sorceries. Uh, they obviously can't cast any counter spells. They can't resolve any cards that were on suspend, so this is notably powerful against suspend cards. Because you can't cast sorceries in your upkeep, so they just have to go into exile. Yeah, it is triple blue, so like Cryptic Command, wow. you, you need to be really blue to want to play this card. I've only really seen it played in Blue Moon. Uh, blue Moon's played it before. I've played it in, in Four Color Flash and Five Color Flash. Uh, I've I've played it in Seinfeld before. Yeah, it's good in that deck. And Seinfeld is the all counter spells deck. And you, the deck that does yeah, nothing. Yeah. yeah, you'll you'll sometimes <laughs> you'll you'll sometimes play it in control decks once again when there's a lot of yeah. a lot of blue decks around and it's notably very powerful with mystical teachings. Yes, because mystical teachings lets you go and get a a creature with flash or an instant, and this gives all your creatures flash, so it goes and lets you get any creature True for any creature, which is pretty cool. Which is a pretty powerful interaction. All right, next up we have Thought Scour. One mana instant. Target player puts two cards from their library into their graveyard and draw a card. Yep, reasonable role player. If you have Delve Spells in your deck, you're happy to play this card. Yep. I'm not in a rush to play this card if I don't have Delve spell, Spells in my deck. Um, you do sometimes still get incidental Snapcaster Mage value, and mm -hmm. it's fine as a cantrip. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, I think a reasonable marker to look at is if you're playing Delve Spells, Thought Scour, reasonable inclusion. If you're not, Maybe think about it there's, once there's or twice beforehand. Yeah. You thought of, you, you missed the most important use of Thought Scour. Target your opponent. Target your opponent and mess up their Goblin Recruiter stack. Boom, got him. Or or well, any of just, their top of the me. deck tutors like Imperial Seal, yeah. Enlightened Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, Mystical Or tutor. get their Doomsday. Pretty good against <laughs> that too. Yeah. So incidental value, fine card uh, around certain archetypes. But yeah. Just just a note that incidental value comes up not often. That's not why. You <laughs> once every play, four tournaments. Play the card thing. Yeah. Even less, I'd say. Yeah. All right, next up we have Windfall. Windfall is a three mana sorcery. Each player discards their hand. Then you figure out who had the greatest number of cards discarded and everybody draws that many cards. Jer. Uh, so this is like the 10th time twister effect. Surely it's seventh. Uh, I, call sure. this, I call this Wheel of Fortune number two, maybe number three. Uh, no, they're no. much better. What? Um, Reforge the soul. Memory jar. Diminishing time spirals. No, those are all too expensive. Three mana. You can cast it really early. So uh, I'll talk about this card. Sure. Thanks, <laughs> Surgeon. I like this card a lot, specifically in my workshop aggro decks. Or in maybe even an old school academy before we like pointed a whole bunch. If you have a blue style deck. We just unpointed Tinker. 
If you have a base academy, just won the last tournament. All right, didn't really. All right, all right. <laughs> if you are a very, very, very fast blue deck and you are trying to dump your hand as quickly as possible, this card can very effectively refill your hand. Or if you're playing a deck that's playing a lot of draw seven effects, and your opponent's tapped out, you've drawn seven, you can cast Windfall after to make them draw seven again to get it back. And it follows in that classic archetype of if you make your opponent mulligan enough times in the middle of the game, they'll eventually draw a bad hand. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're on the color black now. Up now we have the Abyssal Persecutor. Oh, I made Jeremy Four talk about this Four mana, six, six, flying trampled demon. Except you can't win and your opponent can't lose. Tell me about this card, Liam. Yep. Uh, this card's this card's okay. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I put this card on the list. Um, I, I think that there are some very heavy black mid-range decks that can play this card. I will admit that those very heavy black mid-range decks are not very good uh, a lot of the time. I but... Are you guys crazy? This card's great! I regularly mm. don't play this card in mono black midrange. Yes. Yeah. It's just that that second clause is like, oh, it's really bad. You it's just it kill it yourself. You're no, black. You have all the removal. But they just get to not yeah, care about anything other than this. Like, then you could just play something that still wins the game by itself, and then you just get to use your removal on their creatures. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't need see, to start an argument. <laughs> like, but. That's, that's the upside. Yeah. You play a creature, you don't have to kill yourself. That still wins. So you heard it here for folks on North 100, Abyssal Persecutor, probably okay, but not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> Alex likes this card. It's three out of four. Yeah. I'm, I'm claiming his, his vote in Absentia. All right. Next up, we have the Bloodgast. For Black Black, you get a 2-1 Vampire Spirit. It can't block, but it has haste as long as an opponent has 10 or less life. And very notably, this is the reason why you play this card. For landfall, whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, you can return it from the graveyard directly to the battlefield. Jer. Yeah, so this, this is a card I can get behind. Uh, <laughs> this card's great in any heavy black aggro deck or in aristocrats. Yeah, really good in aristocrats especially. Yeah, you get to keep sacrificing it for value. Uh, another card that uh, is best friends with Bloodgast is Skull Clamp. Yeah, mm, just gonna yep, throw that one sure. out there. For sure. sure. All right, let's move on. Next up, we have Doomblade. I mean, Doom... every, everything dies to it. So, to, to Doomblade? Dies to Doomblade. Can't well, be good. Not, not, not quite. I mean, Abyssal Persecutor survives Doomblade. All right, we. Doomblade is a two-man instant <laughs> spell for one and a black that says destroy target non-black creature. So there's an entire color wedge that dodges, dodges this removal. Sure. So, so as the meme says, you know, like, this creature can't be good, it dies to Doomblade. Um, Doomblade actually not super played in Highlander, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> right? um, what, what, what normally for the same mana cost goes in that spot? Uh, people play Ultimate Price a lot. Yeah. Uh, go for it. the throat. Go for the throat. More sorry, yeah, that, that's the one I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, go for the throat. Uh, which kills a non-artifact creature. There's just, there's way fewer artifact creatures than there are non-black creatures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Doomblade does see play in some of the, the blue-black control decks. Like, if you're playing Grixis, maybe you get this card in. Increasingly, Wizards has insisted on printing better and better removal, and that yeah. has gradually pushed cards like Doomblade to the wayside. Uh, it still gets in here and there. Yeah. I've played it before, but it's, it's certainly not, like, incredible. Uh, you, can, you, will, no. you will play this card and cast this card a lot and be perfectly content with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's nothing special. All right, next up we have Duress, which was actually in our last set review as well. That's it's, true. It's a one-mana sorcery for black that says target opponent reveals their hand, choose a non-creature, non-land, and they get rid of it. Jer? It's great. Put it in all your black decks. Yep. If you want hand attack, it's one of the best ones. 
Next up, we have an extra spicy card, and uh, I think we've all played this card before. I haven't. What? All right, we're going to make you a Necropotence deck. We have Necropotence. It is an enchantment for black, black, black. It has a lot of text. Step one, you don't get a draw step. Whenever you discard a card, it goes into exile, but you can also pay one life, exile the top card of your library face down, put that card into your hand at the beginning of your end step. This card basically destroyed standard and they've been trying to print not and broken necropotence since then. Jared, tell me about this card. Uh, I love this card. Yeah, I play it in the my aforementioned mono black midrange decks all the time. Uh, if you cast it early against a blue deck, you basically can't ever lose. Does read draw 19 against against them usually. Yeah, maybe not quite 19, but uh, I've played it a lot with Venser's Journal. Oh, yes. Which sounds super goofy, but yep. I swear it's good. That deck needs life gain anyways. And if you ever assemble Necro plus Book, yeah, you're laughing. Yeah, I did. I did lose to this card in a somewhat humorous fashion when I had assembled Painter Servant Grindstone and I had milled my opponent's deck, but they didn't have a draw step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they just killed me with what they had on board. Wow, that's so good. It's, it's really weird. All right, let's move on. Next up, we have the Rune Scarred Demon. It is a seven mana 6-6 six, six for five black black. It has flying, and when it enters the battlefield, search your library for any card, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. Jer. I looked at Liam, but I said Jer. Liam. This is DT Demon. Yeah. Uh, so it's Demonic Tutor on a, on a body. Um, this card doesn't see a ton of play. It does see play in Jer's aforementioned mono black midrange deck, and yeah. also in Oath of Druids. Yeah. Uh, is another deck that will play this card. Uh, just getting a 6-6, six, six, the DTs, Cheaply is very good. I know Allison used to play this when she played that. Recurring Nightmare. Yeah, she uh, she would sometimes assemble Recurring Nightmare, Rootscar Demon, that some, was real something good. else. Yeah, which is obviously very powerful. Uh, you need at this point you need to be putting Rootscar Demon in play in some kind of way that's not fair. Uh, so in Jarrah's deck, he's using like Cabal Coffer's Urborg. Maybe you're yeah, maybe you're Lake reanimating it. Maybe you're putting it into play with Oath of Druids. But if you can get it into play in some unfair way, ten out of ten, card's good. Otherwise, yep. one out of ten. Card's too expensive. But. All right, here's another card I'm probably going to pronounce wrong. Sheodred, the Whispering One. Sheoldred. No! <sighs> Seven mana, six... It's an L. <laughs> <laughs> it's a silent L, okay? Seven mana, six, six, Praetor. Has Swamp Walk randomly. At the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, they sacrifice a creature. Jared, tell me about Sheoldred? Yeah, Sheoldred, uh... Once again, not casting this card, typically reanimating it because it continues reanimating the rest of the things <clears> from your graveyard. So it's a first, great first reanimator target. Uh, it also does a really good job at disrupting your opponent and making sure they're not going to kill you while you're busy unearthing all the giant monsters from your graveyard. Yeah. It uh, always gets value because it's their upkeep. Like it's yeah. so rare that you reanimate yeah, this because you kill pass it, right it doesn't immediately. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up, we have Thoughtseize. One black sorcery, target player reveals their hand, you choose a non-land card from it. That's it, that's the only criteria. They discard it, and you lose two life. Liam? Alright, uh, you thought uh -oh. Duress was good. <laughs> this card's better. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all accept Thoughtseize very good, but how about the fact they used this art? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 now, I'm now probably going to have a Thoughtseize with this art. Like, currently I only have the Theros Frazzled Hair guy, but... <laughs> But now, you get I my might trippy fairy friend. Finally, yeah, I might finally get my fairy friend. Yeah. Interesting. Which that that art's so insane. It looks so good. Yeah. The, I've got a, I've got a foil one. Laura Winard. Oh God, Serge. I'm sorry. Why you gotta do this to me? I'm sorry. Do you know how much foil Laura Winard thoughts is worth? No. We, we won't tell you. It's fine. You don't want to know. 
I bought it for 25 bucks. Ah, I see. It has more than four times in value. More than more, more than, than 12 times in value. Yeah. Pardon? Yeah, it's, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Wrenchmind. Uh, Wrenchmind is a black back black sorcery that reads target player discards two cards unless he or she discards an artifact card. Jared, tell me about this card. Uh, so we talked about this card recently when Alex brought up Gerard's Verdict uh, as a as a analogous card. Uh, it's it's good uh, if you're you need to be heavy black, but it, it's definitely good if you want to be taxing your opponent's hand. Yeah. Uh, often decks are light on artifacts to discard, and if they are, they're often key key cards that they don't want to discard anyways. Yes. So it's rare that they'll be able to discard an artifact and feel happy about getting that one for one. So it's typically going to be them discarding two cards. Cool. All right, that's it for black. Let's move on to red. And our first red card is Anger of the Gods. Three mana sorcery for one red red. It deals three damage to each creature, and if a creature dealt damage this way would die this turn, exile it instead. God, I love Noah Brothley's art. Um, yeah, this, this card's good. The art's yeah. better. Uh, so this card sees like a reasonable amount of play. Um, the, the red red is actually kind of a big deal. It's a little surprising, but even the blue red control deck, Blue Moon, has started to move away from cards like this. Part of that is due to the, the Platinum Empyrean combo that they play now. They sort of issue a lot more removal in order to just try and turbo Empyrean and then protect it for the rest of the game. But this card's great. It's, card it's so really much. effective against all of the creature combo decks yeah. where the Exile Claws can be a real menace. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Sandra Bullock. Yeah, Sandra Bullock really doesn't like it. Even, even the Kiki Pod decks, uh, a lot of the times you you can end up Anger of the Godsing away. Uh, Kitchen things. Yeah, important piece. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, Anger's great. It, it kills things and it really kills them dead. Yeah, if you're in a red control deck, you're going to be happy. Next up, we have the Fury Charm, which... I'm actually surprised made it in here, but I'm sure one of you have a strong reason for it. It's another modal card. Uh, for one and a red, an instant, you get to choose to destroy target artifact. Uh, target creature gets plus one, plus one, and trample until end of turn, and remove two time counters from target permanent or suspended card. Liam, why is this here? <laughs> All right, so on turn one, you suspend your mind stab. And then on the next turn, you Fury Charm... Oh, sorry, I'm talking about Time Spiral Limited. Uh, okay, so the What's reason... What's a Mind Stab? Uh, he's, it's he's like kidding. a six-mana discard for... It uh, has to spend. Uh, <laughs> that's not actually... <laughs> discard three, it's not even that good. <laughs> but that's not actually why you play this. Um, so the reason you play this card is if you're in Mono Red or some kind of Red Deck Wins deck, um, it destroys an artifact, which is a pretty relevant... Uh, piece of text, and then it also gives a creature plus one plus one and trample until end of turn. You don't care about the third mode, um, but having a, a modal card which reads destroy an artifact and also pump a creature, else. yeah, uh, increasingly this card gets pu gets pushed out of the format a little bit by a braid. I think yeah, a braid is really um, good right but, now. But uh, like Tim, for instance, has played Fury Charm and Goblins pretty extensively. I was going to say t Tim was definitely the, the uh, innovator oh, of this cool. card. Okay. In my yeah, Islander. and and I've seen uh, Sam playing playing Fury Charm in, in Mono Red recently and okay. killing a bunch of Platinum right. with it. Oh God, that stupid card. So so yeah, so that's why you play. Right. <laughs> Next up, we have Gutter Snipe, our old friend, the three mana two two Ooh. goblin shaman. This for is a slingshot, right? This He's like sweet. I haven't actually seen the new art. Anyways, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Gutter Snipe deals two damage to each opponent. Jer, who plays Gutter Snipe? Uh, blue red spells. Yeah, and and only sometimes. Yeah, sort of the same deck uh, that wants to take advantage of what's that two one for two, that makes all the little elemental friends. Yeah, yeah Pyromancer. That card's much more widely playable than Gutter yeah. Snipe. Yeah. Yeah. Gutter Snipe being one more mana and not impacting the board means you really have to be in on the 
casting a lot of spells, and you really need to hope your opponent doesn't have good removal. <laughs> now, I have thought about playing this card in High Tide before, in the red version, in order to have a manual, te a manual tendrils. You just like play this, then cast 10 spells. <laughs> and? I didn't. <laughs> All right. Fine card. Um, <laughs> I believe I believe uh, Benjanarian was playing it in the blue-red deck. He won the inaugural. Yeah, um, makes sense. And it's really blue good. That deck. Thing, that, that, so. that, 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 if, you, if you're looking for a deck that it's powerful in, that's a good yeah. example. Blue-red so, spells. Solid. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Kiki Jiki, the Mirror Breaker. Mm. Five mana, 2-2? Two, two? No, this card's nuts. It's a legendary Goblin Shaman for two. Red, red, red. It has haste and create a token of copy... Create a token that's a copy of target non-legendary creature you control. It gains haste and then sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step. We've talked about this card a ton. Yeah. It sees play. This, this is a combo card. Uh, most typically it sees play in actually green decks. Uh, there's the green Kiki Pod deck. That's the most common home for it. Yeah. It will see play in other things occasionally, but it's, it's really, really potent in the, in the Kiki Pod decks. You can pod into it in some interest, interesting ways and then with cards like Karmic Guide you can use Survival of the Fittest to cheat it into play and, yeah. and that sort of thing. You're looking to go infinite. Most recently Jar and I have been Hermit Druiding into it then Dread Returning a Karmic Guide then oh. getting it back. It's a big enough deal that it's actually it has an archetype named after it. Kiki Pod. Like there yeah. you go. There yeah. you have it. Card's great. Um, next up we have Kiln Fiend. Kiln Fiend is a 2-mana 1-2. Uh, it's an elemental beast for 1 and a red, and it says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus 3 plus 0 until end of turn. Jer? I feel like Liam really wanted this one, so I'm going to throw it over Liam? to him. Yeah, so this is also uh, a card that you can play in the blue-red spells deck. Yeah. Uh, I've also been uh, working on a, a spells matter deck that's uh, have a few more colors than blue-red. Uh, namely green and white. And it's being nuts with berserk. And one black spell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or tainted strike. <laughs> Do you know what Tainted Strike does? I sure don't. What's it's Tainted one Strike? one in a black. Give target start. creature plus one plus zero. And, and Infect. Ooh! So you cast your Gataxian wow! Probe, then you cast some other spell. Mutagenic Growth? Yeah, then you Tainted Strike this thing and you kill them. Um, so yeah, so this card... It's <laughs> uh, so greasy. This card's playable. If you're looking to play Highlander and, and build a deck with Kiln Fiend-like yeah. effects, you can do it. Yeah, uh, that, that's absolutely. mostly why I wanted to get in here. I think it's cool. Cool. But you can play it if you want to. Yep. Next up, we have Magus of the Moon, three mana, two, two, human wizard, and just says non-basic lands are mountains. So weird human. This card's great. Yeah. Uh, aggressive decks don't always play Blood Moon. They'll always play this. Yeah. Blood Moon decks always play Blood Moon. They also always play this. Yeah. You can uh, Eldritch Evolution into this card. Yeah. It's easier to tutor for than an enchantment in most decks. Uh, it stops most decks from playing magic for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, this guy's also a rock star. I don't know whether you've noticed, but he's like yeah, it looks ripping like he's, the mic, yeah. letting you know that the blood moon is coming. The light show. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Monastery Swift Spear. Uh, one mana, one, two human monk with haste and prowess. And we talked about prowess earlier. Um, I don't know, Liam, tell me about this card. Yeah, this is a, a passable, aggressive creature, best in the mono red decks. Uh, the prowess effect is reasonable. It does sometimes bait you into casting your spells at sorcery speed, which I know is something Jeremy's like uh, keenly, keenly critical of at times. I will point out though that some of the mono red decks have even moved as far as playing Mage Ring Bully, which is yeah. a one and a red, two two with prowess that must attack each turn. Uh, so a, a lot of them really like this. Hmm. This card uh, attacks as a one two always, but can attack for as much as three or four. Uh, definitely reasonable to play in your aggressive decks with spells. Yeah. Cool. 
All right, after that, we have Pillar of Flame. This is a one-mana sorcery for a single red, deals two damage target creature or player, and if a creature dealt damage this way would die, exile it. Jerem? Uh, sort of a meta shock if people are playing lots of voice resurgences or you just want, like, the eighth shock. This is a reasonable include. It is a sorcery, so that's not his biggest downside, but the exile clause sort of makes up for that a bit. Yeah. Solid card. That's fine. Uh, next up, we have Rift Bolt. Rift Bolt is a three mana sorcery that deals three damage to target creature or player, or it has to spend one for a single red. Uh, tell me what this card name. Yeah, this is a, a burn spell that basically only mono red plays. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there aren't there aren't a whole lot of other decks. Maybe if you're playing green red, you'd think about it, but that's that's about as far as I go. I could also it, see it in red blue with a lot of prowess creatures because yeah. it triggers on your turn. Yeah, like in, in green red, it triggers bloodthirst, which is kind of nice. Oh, interesting. Um, and yeah, and, and maybe if you want to trigger prowess, you might play it. It's not it's not super common. It costs three mana, so unless you really are going to be suspending it and, and sending the three damage to the face, you're you're not getting as much value out of this as I yeah. think you want. I think it's a staple in mono red, but it's pretty narrow. Other than that, I yeah. totally agree. Uh, next up, we have Stagger Shock. This is a fun card. Three mana instant. It deals two damage to target creature or player, but it has rebound, which means if you cast it from your hand, exile it as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast it for free. So it's basically four damage for three mana. Uh, who's playing this card? Uh, it's seeing last play now, uh, having to resolve the spell twice does have a bit of a downside, and it doesn't do a good job of killing four toughness creatures. Yeah, that's fair. For yeah. a four damage burn spell, which is kind of disappointing sometimes. Like, red decks often really want to get Corsair of Crew Fix and Locks it on Smiter out of the way so their creatures can attack. So, I've definitely uh, died to it a lot, though. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, a solid include. It triggers your prowess and spell effects twice, like yeah. Thermo Alchemist and. Firebrand Archer and those I, types I of things. I think where, where Riftbolt and Pillar of Flame, I would sort of relegate to like, you're basically playing this only if you're mono red. Uh, Riftbolt with a little bit more application. I think Stagger Shock can see a bit more wider play, right? Like, Jeskai yeah. has and can play yeah. this card. Yeah. If you're a red based control deck, you can play this card. If you're looking to clean up multiple small things, you know, like, yeah, this, this is a reasonable card. You, you can play it in some stuff. All right, next up we have the Thundermaw Hellkite. This is a big old dragon. Five mana, five, five. It has flying and haste, and an ability that comes up more than you'd imagine, when it enters the battlefield, deal one damage to each creature with flying your opponent's control, and tap those creatures. Liam, who's playing this card? Uh, uh, so there's big red decks. Yeah. Uh, big red, big big black red as well as a, a strategy gets played. Uh, there is Dragon Tribal. Uh, or Really? Yeah, Ma Matthew Brett Davis really? has played Big Idiot Dragons, the deck, and 3 one with it more than once. Huh, yeah. okay, cool. Uh, it's good in that, in that deck. The thing mm. about Thundermaw Hellkite is it's playable in a lot of decks. Uh, yeah. Jeskai has played Thundermaw Hellkite yeah. before. Uh, Blue Red, uh, Blue Moon has played Thundermaw Hellkite before. Naya Midrange. Naya Midrange, yeah. It really ravages the sky, right? Like, you play a Thundermaw Hellkite, and it's attacking. <laughs> there's there's no way they're blocking it. It's not happening, yeah. at least for the first turn. The uh, haste is super relevant the on the card. The haste is great. It really does does a, a lot of work against Lingering Souls tokens oh and other 1-1 one, one spirits. Yeah. Just swats them out of the Gets sky. Gets those Vendillion cliques out of there. Yeah. So yeah, this card's great. Uh, you want to be making a fair amount of mana to cast it, or you want it to be your curve topper. Like, I've even seen like slightly bigger green-red aggro playing this card before. Yep. But you want to make sure that, that making 5 mana, you're going to be able to cast this on, on curve at least. Yeah. But it's great if you can do it. Alright, let's move to green. Our first green card we're going to talk about is the Carven Karyatid. Did I nail it? Close enough? Close right, enough. Three mana, two, five for one green, green. It's a spirit that has defender, 
and when it comes into the battlefield, you can draw a card. Now, it seems kind of weird that we talk about like a 2-5 wall. Why, why, who's playing this card, Jer? Uh, sometimes you'll see it in Cradle Hoof. You just want more creatures uh, in aggro heavy metas. A 2-5 defender is really hard for aggro decks to remove and attack through, and it just helps you cycle through your deck so it's not dead in the control matchups. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Cool. Uh, next up, we have a spicy card. We have Channel. Green, green sorcery until end of turn. Anytime you could activate a mana ability, you may pay one life. If you do, add a colorless mana to your mana pool. I know you've played this a bunch. Yeah, I have a spicy, powerful magic story coming up in the near future about channel specifically. Not, not today, but, okay. All right. but some some subsequent time. But yeah, didn't we already do that one? No, I don't think so. Okay, we just I talked about, talk about it, it before. Then. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, channels broken, right? It does it, it primarily does unfair things. It's a I mean, we've card. talked about my channel story where I got my my banefire misdirected. That's I have a separate up. channel story okay. that also involves losing to Garrett. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so channel really powerful. Um, you're only ever doing unfair things, right? You're casting your emeralds. Um, maybe you're channeling into you're channeling into some big dumb Eldrazi. Maybe you're Ugin. Channel Fireball, classic, right? Channel Banefire, only vulnerable to one thing. Uh, I found that one thing, and uh, yeah, no. So th this card's great, but you're using it as a combo card, right? Yeah. Like it's it's not a fair card. It's exclusively being used to cast some big thing way ahead of schedule at the cost of your own life. Cool. Uh, next up, we have the Genesis Hydra. This is a X green green plant hydra. So when you cast Genesis Hydra, reveal the top X cards of your library. You may put a non-land permanent card with converted mana cost <laughs> X or less from among them onto the battlefield and shuffle the rest into your library. And Genesis, it enters with X, number of plus one, plus one counters on it. That's a big wordy card. Yeah, it's broken on Magic Online, actually. Don't, don't play this card on Moto. Interesting, really? Yep. Huh, look at that hand just sticking out of there. Uh, tell me who's playing this card. Uh, so it's primarily a combo card used in food chain decks. Okay. You get infinite mana with your food chain and a creature that you can cast from exile. Then you cast this Genesis Hydra. Then you... Tutor for the win permanent thingy? Yeah. You can tutor for a way to win from there. You can get a creature that returns itself from the battlefield, return it. Genesis Hydra resolves. You can cast it, the return creature. Then you get Genesis Hydra again, and then you can... Huh. Cool. I had no idea. Yep, card's Not red. Alright, uh, next up we have a card that goes great with channel. Uh, we have the Genesis Wave. So X, green, 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 very similar to the Hydra. Reveal X cards from the top of your library. You may put any number of permanents with converted mana cost X or less onto the battlefield. Then put all the cards revealed this way that weren't put onto the battlefield into the graveyard. So just basically just take a whole wave from the top of your library into the battlefield. It's pretty spicy. Yeah, and I think spicy is the right description. This card is not meta currently. It's yeah. not something that a lot of people are playing. The problem is it's just a little inconsistent. Yep. But uh, if you open this and you think, I want to play a Highlander deck with Genesis Wave, go nuts. You can definitely do it. You want to be playing a, a Cradle Hoof-esque strategy. But uh, 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 uh. Enchantress. Or you can be playing Enchantress, yeah. I guess. That's that's the real secret yeah, tech right but there. But you definitely want to be playing some sort of big mana deck. Yeah, a well, lot that... of broken, unfair mana. That is also permanent heavy. The problem yeah. with this card is because it's 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 looking for permanence. If you're playing a lot of spells, you're not going to get as much advantage out of it. So it's a build around card, but you can have a lot of fun with it. Yep. All right. Next up, we have the Lotus Cobra, our friend, the Snake. It's a two mana two one for one and a green, and has landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, you may add one mana of any mana color to your mana pool. A lot of too many manas there. Jared, tell me about the Cobra. This card's a staple in green creature decks. It's yeah. used in 
creature combo decks because it accelerates your mana. It's used in mid-range decks because it accelerates your mana. You don't see it too often in aggro decks just because they don't care about the mana acceleration yeah. as much. Well, they're not going two to four as much as they're going one to three. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the real key is going... If you have a land and a mana dork on one, then you can play Lotus Cobra on two with a fetch land and cast a three drop all on turn two. Yeah, and if you do that, it too. feels like almost impossible to lose. Yeah. I have some advice though. Don't open a foil one of these in a team draft because it doesn't end well. Oh no. no. <laughs> all right, next up we have the Obstinate Bayloth. It is a four mana four, four beast for two green green. When it enters the battlefield, you gain four life. And the really cool thing about this is if a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this card, you get to put it onto the battlefield instead of into the graveyard. I watched someone Eladomri's call for this in response to a Liliana activation. That was pretty good. Uh, so, so this card is, uh, it's, it's a bit of a tech card. You're not going to include this in every deck right away. Yeah. But if there's a lot of discard running around, or if there's a lot of mono red running around, then this card's great to yeah. put in your deck. And honestly, it's fine to put in your deck Definitely. as a starter. So if you... You know, if you don't have all the cards necessarily for your deck right away, playing this is a, a super valid replacement uh, for something higher on the curve. It's going to interact, it's gonna, it's disruptive, it, it can oftentimes have that blowout potential where you get it for free. So, yeah. All right, next up we have the Overgrown Battlement. It's a two-mana wall. It's an 0-4 defender, and it says add green to your mana pool for each creature or defender you control. Jer? Uh, this card's a really good mana accelerant. It blocks... Uh, sometimes it taps for more than one mana, which for two mana is Pretty insane. Yeah. yeah, this card's nice too. In the you know in the sort of the green decks that are looking to make extra mana, a lot of them are playing cards like Wall of Blossoms. Yeah, uh, or Sylvan Caryatid, or Caravan Caryatid, or Carvan Caryatid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, the fact like you are going to have extra defenders. Yeah. It's not as though you need to really actively consciously build your deck around putting defenders in it for overgrown yeah, battle. Incidental. Ones. They're going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and you don't want to play. Defenders just for the sake of making this card better. No, no, definitely not. Uh, let's move on to a powerful, very, very good card, the Primeval Titan. So it's a Titan, six mana, six, six for four green, green. It has trample. And when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you may search your library for up to any two land cards and put them in the battlefield tapped. Tell me about this card, Jer. Uh, this card is super powerful. Yeah. Uh, typically finds Thespian Stage in Dark Depths mm -hmm. or Wolf Run in Gaia's Cradle. <laughs> Uh, once Fuck again, you want you want to be using it with some sort of form of mana acceleration. It's uh, most commonly played in the Cradle Hoof deck that can cast it on turn three many different ways. Uh, but even you can turn two, it sometimes even oh even in mid range decks that can cast this on turn four or five, it's often going to end the game yeah. very very quickly. Yeah, it's nuts. It's Really, really good. If you open one, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Search for Tomorrow, another Suspend card. So three mana sorcery. Uh, search your library for basic land card, notably not uh, not tapped. Just put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Or you can suspend two for green. Yeah, so you suspend this, then you Fury Charm the counters off. Then no! You... No Fury Charm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this card's largely playable in Scapeshift, is, yeah. is the deck that wants to play this yeah. the, the, the most. There are a couple other ramp strategies that are potentially interested in Search for Tomorrow. I think it's probably about the fourth or fifth best ramp spell. Best ramp spell. Yeah, because um, it only finds basics, right? It only finds basics, and it's a little slow. Like, casting it naturally for three mana is not amazing. So if it's in, it's, it's a bit of a high roll card. If it's in your Seals opening hand... on turn one. Right, yeah. yeah. Turn one, land, crack, play Search for Tomorrow. That, that feels Although really nice. It is, it is worth noting that 
the land comes in untapped, so after you've casted it, it net costs you two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's certainly true. But yeah, so this card, a reasonable ramp card. Uh, and another card that goes well with Overgrown Battlement, we have the Wall of Roots. Wall. So two mana, 05, Plant Wall with Defender, and you can put a minus zero, minus one, odd, not a minus one, minus one, minus zero, minus one counter on it to add a green mana. You can only do that once each turn. Jer? Uh, this card is probably the most played two mana ramp creature. Yeah. Maybe behind Sylvan Carriage, I don't know. Now that that one came out? It's yeah. close. Yeah. But, yeah, this is super solid. It blocks super well, adds a ton of mana. You can do a ton of tricks with it by adding mana both on your turn and on your opponent's turn. That's, that's great with Court of Calling. Yeah, one, once each turn. It doesn't tap to activate for mana, which is... I'm just, like, pointing everywhere. That's probably one of the biggest super, reasons. Super relevant, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Carrington has to block to produce mana. This can produce mana and still block, so it's A+. Plus. Yeah. Great card, great card. All right, let's move on to our gold cards. The first gold card we have is the Azorius Charm. For white and a blue, it's modal. Pick one. Uh, creatures you control gain lifelink, draw a card, or put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. Who's playing this card? Uh, Blue-white control, playing okay. this card a fair amount. Even the Jeskai decks have, have played this card. This card's actually super solid, and I think it's potentially a little bit underplayed. It is a... Uh, removal spell because I mean it is putting something on top so yeah. it is it's a one-for-one one, even when you do that that also cycles when it's bad uh, I've even had Azorius charm I've used it for the first mode before uh, can be where, where you're low on life and you yeah. have some creatures even if they're just incidental like a Vendillion click and a torrential gear hulk and you get them for eight and gain eight and and you win the game I was so, gonna say if you're, if you're I think this card is super underrated if you're ever casting it for the first mode you're probably winning the game yeah uh, if you're casting it for the third mode it's super efficient, especially against for, tokens for what it does. Yep, Marilage does not like this card, uh, or that stupid Platinum Imperium. Yep, just like get out. Yeah. Boop. Yep. And worst case, it cycles. Uh, next up, we have a, a format staple. I think Electrolyze. So it's, uh, oh, that's how you pronounce it. I'm no, really no, bad at that. I'm, I'm, no, I'm teasing. That's you. the French. My, all of mine are French. I just. Sorry. All right, Electrolyze costs one blue, red. It's an instant. It deals two damage as you choose amongst any number, well, up to two creatures or players. I mean, it's only two damage. You can't divide it more than that. Uh, it also says draw a card. Uh, Jer, why is this card good and who plays it? Uh, <laughs> most blue-red decks play it. Uh, it's an instant, so you get to hold it up while leaving up counter magic, then kill their two X1s on their end step and draw a card. Yeah, there's a shockingly... Shock, because huh? two damage. A uh, number of very, very relevant creatures in the format that have one toughness, uh, with elves running around, with goblins running around, yep. dark confidants, all sorts of stuff. You get so much value out yeah, of this card. You love yeah. to see this in your opening hand. It's a great, yeah. great card that helps you bridge the gap from early to mid game. Yeah. All right, next up we have Knight of the Reliquary. Knight of the Reliquary is a three mana two two for one and green and white. Uh, it is a human knight, I believe. Yep. Uh, and it gets plus one, plus one for each land in your graveyard, so it can get huge and a fun bit of text. So tap and sacrifice a forest or plains, search your library for any land, and put it onto the battlefield untapped, and then shuffle. Yeah, this card's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it finds any land untapped, it can be really, really clutch. Um, you see this happening all the time where someone will have their Knight of the Reliquary kind of doing nothing. Maybe they're using it on end step to grow it. It's sitting back blocking. Uh, and then uh, they'll go get some really powerful land you weren't necessarily expecting and, and blow someone out with it. So at the at the 1K, what happened was that in, in the quarterfinals, um, some Evan, who's from Victoria, was sitting there with his Knight of the Reliquary waiting for his opponent to crack his Dark Depths Thespian stage. Uh, and then finally, when the guy did it, he like went and got his... Caracas and Caracas, the Merit Lish token, and 
There's so many lines on this card. Yeah. One, of, one of my favorite lines to play with this card is to leave it up as a blocker, block, but before damage, activate it and sacrifice it to go get Maze of Ith, and then to Maze of Ith, another unblocked creature. Yeah. yeah. There's so, even sick lines where you can go and get a fetch land. Uh, because it's any land, crack the fetch land, your knight actually gets plus two and you've thinned your deck for a card. Like, there's so many lines yeah. of play. You can play this in mid-range, you can play... The, I've played it in lands combo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. an excellent, excellent card. Yeah, card's really good. All right. Next up, we have the Lightning Helix. It is an instant spell for red and a white. It combines Lightning Bolt and Healing Salve. Deal three damage to a creature or player and gain three life. I mean, I'm a big Fusion. fan of Healing Salve, so this card's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really underplayed in the format, Healing Self. <laughs> well, I, I keep telling people they gotta play Healing Leaves instead. No one will ever see it coming. Well, yeah, this card's great. It's super efficient for what it does. Yeah. Uh, two mana kills. You're, you're likely trading even on mana, maybe even up. And the, the life you gain against the red decks is incredibly relevant. Yeah. I hear Lightning Bolt's good. A lot of things die to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, and our last gold card, we have Supreme Verdict. So four mana, one white, white, blue, sorcery, cannot be countered and destroy all creatures. Yeah, so it's interesting that we started the show talking about Troll Aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, because Supreme Verdict is not as good against the green decks because it doesn't have the can't be regenerated clause, yeah. but much better against the, the blue-based creature decks yeah. who are maybe looking to spell pierce that wrath that you have. Uh, they've like structured their whole game plan around it, and then pff, you give them the supreme and final verdict and all their stuff dies. So, yeah, this card's great. If you're a blue-white deck and you're planning to cast Wraths, you should be casting Supreme Verdict. Yeah. Staple. All right, let's move on to colorless spells. Our first colorless spell is Aether Vial. It is a one-mana artifact. On your upkeep, you may put a charge counter. Notably, you may put a charge counter on Aether Vial. And then tap, you may put a creature card with a converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters onto the battlefield from your hand with through the Vial. The Vial just, like, teleports them or tunnels them from your hand into the battlefield. JR. This card is super strong. Yeah. If, if you cast, it's like Blue Mage's least favorite card to see on turn one from a creature deck. Yeah, uh, it gets nets them so much mana over the course of the game, and the notably it doesn't cast the creatures, so it it puts them into play, so they're not using the stack. So you're, it renders counter magic. Yeah, relatively useless against the creatures you're you're putting into play. It gives them all flash, so you can do things end of turn. You don't expose them to sorcery speed removal. There's just so many huge upsides on this card. And it lets you keep really sketchy hands. Yep. Well, it sure does. I, that's not untrue. Yeah, like, I think we're all guilty of that. If you're like, one land, but I have Aether Vial. What are the chances they. <laughs> and you're like, uh, Force of Will. You're like, Game two. <laughs> <laughs> this card, actually, it's kind of interesting. Um, classically, we see Aether Vial in, in Magic in aggressive strategies. So yep. you'll see it in. Things like Merfolk or Death and Taxes and Legacy. Goblins, yeah. Goblins, yeah, exactly. In in Highlander, it sort of sees plays in, in those strategies, but actually more commonly, the place where it's most ubiquitous these days, I would say, is actually in the four color creature or in the in the color like multi color creature combo decks. Creature combo decks because they re they're really mana hungry. Yeah. Uh, and they love having a way to get through counter magic and counter and it color fixes as well. Yep. If you're if you're a bunch of different colors, it helps. No, it's it's a great card. Uh, next up, we have Mindstone. Mindstone is a two-mana artifact. Tap to add a colorless or one and tap and sacrifice. Draw a card. Jer? Card's super solid. One yeah. of the best two two-mana mana rocks. Because uh, if you draw it late, you just get to cycle it. Uh, if you have it on two, it gets to sit around making you mana. Then you get to cycle it later. <laughs> super solid. Yeah. Uh, another mana rock we have is our next card, Thran Dynamo. Uh, Four-mana mana rock. 
add three colorless to your mana pool. Let's play in this. Uh, the Academy decks typically yeah. run this one. It's really powerful with Paradox Engine, oh uh, which is looking right? for any mana rock that's making more than one mana. Uh, so yeah, th this card's great. Uh, it's not something that you're going to play in sort of a, a non-extremely ramp-heavy deck, so yeah. you really want to be planning to cast a bunch of 6, 7, and 8 drops to want 3 on Dynamo. Uh, you don't just want this as like a value ramp card. You, no, you're totally committed fair. to a ramp strategy playing this. And our last artifact is another mana rock. It is the Pristine Talisman. Three mana, add one colorless to your mana pool by tapping it, and you just incidentally gain a life. For Jer? those keeping score at home, oh. alphabetically, this does come before Thran Dynamo. <laughs> As a note to whoever put this spreadsheet together. Um, I counted on you, Leo. No, so it does. Uh, You're saying P is after T. No, wait, the other way around, huh? Yeah, it's pronounced huh. pterodactyl. There's a silent P there. P before huh. T. Um, Sorry, Graham. It's fine. So this this card is all all right. It's not yeah. quite as good as the other two mana rocks, uh, just because it's not as efficient. Uh, you're you're only getting one mana for for th your three mana investment. Uh, the gain of life is kind of nice and can be incidentally relevant over the course of a game, but it doesn't get in quite as often as the other two. I used to play this a lot in prison lists. Because like the life gain can add up over time, uh, and the reason I ended up cutting it was the fact that it came down at three. Because yeah. it, it seemed it's often very weird to skip from three mana to five as opposed from two to four, and I, I think that's probably the biggest slight against it is just exactly. where it comes in your curve. But it's it's fine. It can gain you a bunch of life, especially if you're in sort of a durable do nothing deck like my prison strategies often end up being. And so the reason I put it on the list, apparently erroneously, uh, is. I wanted us to, to just briefly talk about three mana mana rocks. Sure. I think this one's probably like third or fourth, right? There's like the monoliths and there's coalition, coalition relic, relic and probably chromatic lantern, which are yeah. all better. But this is passable. If you don't have those ones Definitely. for whatever reason, it's okay to play this one instead. I mean, this is probably the best card you're not playing, but the best three mana mana rock in the format, hands down, Phyrexian Totem. Fight no. me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can we can step outside. Where's Warren Powerstone on the rankings? It, uh, it's definitely in there. Three. I was, I was yeah. just gonna say that one. That one's like right under the monoliths, probably. Yeah. You definitely want things that tap for like one less mana than you cast them are always yeah. super good. It's probably like Coalition Relic, Chromatic Lantern, Warren Powerstone. I think Powerstone's better than Lantern. All right, sure. We'll swap those ones. Then Basalt Monolith. Then this. And then yeah. reigning above them all, Phyrexian Totem. That one's distinctively twenty fifth. <laughs> All right, moving on to Lance. <laughs> I'm, I'm double-checking everything. Oh, this is very much not alphabetical. Is it really not? Oh, but wow. But that's okay, not because these ones, these ones are alphabetical. In reverse alphabetical. No, no, these ones are arranged by color of mana production and then alphabetically. I'm, I'm going to give Liam credit and say that was deliberate. Totally. Well, at least they're in Woober. So, because <laughs> you have the white blue lands. Yeah. These are the, these ones are listed the way that they're arranged on the website I'm using. There we go. Okay. That must be why I did it. Nailed it. Way. Nailed yeah. it. Definitely. Which the multicolor right. ones were. We're gonna which is why it took me a sec to find Night of the Relic right. Query. Uh, we'll add it at the end. Oh. All right. <laughs> First up, we have the Nimbus Maze. Nimbus Maze. Tap. Add a colorless. Add white, tap and add white to your mana pool, activate it only if you control an island, or tap and add blue to your mana pool, activate this only if you control a planes. Jared, tell me about the Nimbus Maze. Uh, yeah, I, I've played this card maybe the most out of anyone. Uh, I play it in white-blue control a lot. Uh, it's really nice because it gives you the color that you don't have, hmm. so it's really good at, at fixing your mana because you often try to play a lot of basics in that deck because uh, you're playing back to basics and you really don't want to get wastelanded. 
Um, kind of awkward if you want blue blue on turn two though. Yeah, it is a little, but you you, you play, play your tundra. You play a lot of lands in that deck, mm -hmm. so. If you play a tundra, this is just a second tundra, right? Correct. Sure yeah. is. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, just like the Buddy Lands. You can yeah. even play a Hallowed Fountain and it still works. You can even play a Prairie Stream. Irrigated oh, Farmland. Oh, yeah, yeah, damn. Yeah. So, there's four options. Value for days. Value for days. Next up, we have the River of Tears. <laughs> All right, River of Tears. Add blue to your mana pool, but if you play the land this turn, you get black instead. Yeah, this is a great song by Alicia Cara and also uh, a reasonable blue-black land. Seriously, look it up. Good song. Uh, so this, this land's interesting. I think this might be the most widely played poorly played land I've ever seen, right? You'll oh, see a lot of people going like, yeah, play River of Tears the turn before, and then they're like, all right, I need blue this turn. Fetch land, crack, oh no. So you have to be really careful with this one. It's only if you play the land, though, not if a land enters the battlefield. Yes, so they play a fetch land. And oh, they play the fetch, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, is that true, by the way, that that's the errata text? So if you crack a fetch land, this doesn't then produce black mana? No, that... That's, so, to, that's the Oracle text. So you have to play a land. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is the Oracle text. Okay, sweet. Right now. So anyway, so, so this land's, this land's it has, reasonable. It hasn't been errated. That's always been the deck. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this land's reasonable. It's it's blue most of the time and can be black when you want it to be. Yeah, totally fine. Better if you're a base blue deck and you're splashing for black. Definitely. Because you can set it up. Uh, next up, we have the Graven... Cairns. 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 Tap. Add colorless to your mana pool, or you can uh, add float blue or black and tap, or pay blue or black, pardon me. Why am I saying blue? Black or red? This is a black-red land. Tap, sure and it'll filter into black-black, black-red, or red-red. Yes, this is the first of the filter lands that got, got printed. You get to filter one of each of the, one of the colors into this land, then it makes any combination of the two colors. You Did can filter into it. Did they filter into do it. the whole color wheel for no, these? No, they just did these. This one. Really? Yeah, and in the Iconic Masters, it's just this one. Because it's because they just did the future site. Yeah, this lands. is this is the future oh. site filter land. They haven't done the other ones. Also, have you seen this art? Yeah. It's like kind of insane, right? It's, it's like morbid. It's like whoa. Yeah. I mean, it is the Rakdos colors. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. That the, the filter lands are super playable in Highlander yeah. if you're playing red black. They're especially good in two color decks. I I, I tend to it's only play them in two color decks. Yeah. yeah. I'll often play one filter land in multicolor decks, but yeah, opening hands up with multiple filter lands in them feels real bad. Feel, feels yeah. pretty horrendous. Yeah, like, I have no colors. Yeah, I have like four lands and I cast no spells. Yeah. You'll sometimes see like Firelit Thicket or Cascade Bluffs in Kiki Jiki decks. Yeah. Just because you want to be able to make red red. Yeah, but. that's fair. Yeah, I guess if you're if you're splashing for something that's very mana symbol intensive, that can help you color fix, but yep, definitely. it's fine. Uh, next up, we have Grove of the Burn Willows, which is a very classic combo land, but played pretty differently in Highlander. You can tap to add colorless Germana Pool, or you can tap to add red or green Germana Pool, but your opponents all gain one life. Jared, tell me about this card. Uh, this card pr predominantly sees play with uh, Punishing Fire, because yeah. Punishing Fire is the caveat that if it's in your graveyard and whenever your opponents gain life, you can pay a red to return it from your graveyard to your hand. So if you have Grove of the Burnwells in play and Punishing Fire in your graveyard, you float red with Grove of the Burnwells, your Punishing Fire triggers, you pay the red that you had floating with Grove of the Burnwells and, re yeah. and return your Punishing Fire. So it's like a one-card combo to get your Punishing Fire back indefinitely. Yeah. This is also just another red Greenland, which, again, if you're a Kiki-Jiki green deck, which they almost all are these days, you love it? This yeah. card's totally fine. It's yeah, a great very, duel. Very playable. The, the classic Grove Punishing Fire combo is not as good in Highlander on account of 
the hundred the, the the nature of inconsistent it's just hundred harder, harder yeah. to assemble and you're, four punishing fires and four grows yeah right? and you're not as likely one. to want to spend a tutor to find the other piece yeah. of two of the cards here you, you can just find better cards but totally fine grats if you open it and one other card we're throwing you a curveball Graham uh horizon canopy is in this set and this card is fantastic yeah yeah uh, horizon canopy oh it's such different art that's I was, why I, I was missed it off I for think, a second by the yeah way, probably Jared, Jared was like why didn't you include this one? And I, I didn't even remember it was in the set. I looked, and it actually looks like, yeah, I stopped for a second when I saw the art being like, this isn't the right card. Wow, that's really different art. Anyways, it's really different. There we go. That's what I recommend because it had the, the it had the the time shifts border. What, what you recommend? You don't like Noah Bradley's art. Future, future site border. The future site border. I'm sorry. Or the expedition. Graham is just get, taking us on a tour through the horizon canopies. <laughs> tap and pay one life. You may add green or white to your mana pool, or pay one tap and sack the canopy. Draw a card. Why is this card nuts? Who's playing this card? Uh, Liam. Ship, the, ship it to Liam. This, Sorry. this card's really powerful because it cycles, yeah. and so it, it's great as flood prevention. We've talked a lot on this show about uh, like cards like Nether Elkray and Primeval Titan, which can find any land, and being able to go get a land which functionally reads draw a card, like where you can turn that activation into just another card in your hand, really nice. Uh, making green and white at the cost of a life is not often going to matter. Those green and white decks tend to not care about their life total as much or have ways to gain life, and so they're not as concerned about it. Uh, this card's really powerful. I think it sees less play in the format, almost purely due to uh, cost currently. Yeah, like it, it's, it's got a really and availability. Cost. They're, yeah. they're also really hard to find up until now. They'd only yeah. seen the Expedition printing, which is yeah. obviously super hard to find, and in Future Sight. Yeah. Which is also super hard so to find. So ho hopefully we get to see more of this card. I think it's really good. And yeah, I think yeah. More people it's, play it's it. also really good in aggro decks because that's often a deck that aggro decks really, uh, one of the ways they fall flat is when they draw too many lands and they often don't have a good way to prevent, have flood prevention. So yeah. just putting this card in your deck if you're drawing too many lands lets you been a land for a card, which I've seen, hopefully won't be a land. I've seen a lot of white weenie decks even play Horizon Canopy. They don't yeah. even care about the green claws, just the white claws and the ability to draw a card late in the game to keep exactly. to, you know keep yeah. the gas pedal going. Yeah, Mono Green Stompy, same same kind of thing, would, would happily play this card. Jair, is that foil tr Korean Jap like Japanese Triumph of the Horde still in the case? I think so. Excellent. Foil Korean Jap... No, it's Japanese. It's not... Foil Japanese... Foil. What is the card? Triumph, Triumph of, of the Hordes. Hordes. It's, it's two green green. All your creatures get plus one, plus one. Infect and trample. I kind of want to play it. I've been, I'm, I'm <laughs> putting off buying it, but... All right, fair. Well, that is our set review for today. Uh, those are all the cards that um, that we, see, we think see play. If you see cards that uh, you think we missed, let us know down in the comments. We'll get a read over, and uh, if anything... Tweet at us, too. Yeah, and definitely hit us yeah. up over Twitter if you've got any questions about the cards, if you think you should see play or not. We have 280 characters now. I can give you much more in-depth explanations. <laughs> Comment on the YouTube videos. We always read all the comments yeah. and go through them. And... So let's go to our classic closing segment, Powerful Magic. Uh, up today, we have Liam, who's going to share us uh, an extra spicy tale about uh, sweet magic cards. Yeah, so uh, this story actually is quite recent. It comes from this weekend. Uh, and like it's down in Seattle? Down in Seattle. Oh, sweet, well, okay. Sonomish. Sonomish is not Seattle. Let me. Oh, pardon let, me. Let me tell pardon you, me. they're they're okay. distinctly different places. Uh, <laughs> for instance, the karaoke bar we went to was much nicer than uh, I can imagine. But all in of Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> karaoke bar was sweet. I, I'm actually not being facetious here. It was great. But um, so we we were playing. I'm playing in this tournament. Uh, Pat Produsco, who won the tournament, uh, and I. Yes, exactly. Inside are playing. Joke. Are playing in the quarterfinals. We got paired. Um, which was slight tragedy. We wanted to sweep the tournament as best as possible, and I had to, you know, 
knock him out. Spoiler oh. alert, he won the tournament, so I didn't. Um, <laughs> but so the first game we played was really, really sweet. And it's not so much one single play that made the game sweet, but the way the whole game played out. So I'm going to quickly outline what happened and, and why I thought it was so cool. Right. So Pat and I have played already in this tournament. We've played in the Swiss. Okay. Uh, so we know what decks each other are playing. We knew okay. anyway because we drove down the, together, but sure. we know what decks each other are playing. And, but additionally, since we've played so much, we have knowledge about each other. Mm. So in All our like first... tells and stuff like that? That's exactly it. And so <laughs> in this first game, um, I keep a seven, uh, which is pretty good. It has a couple of removal spells. I know he's on a creature deck. I'm okay. playing four-color Scapeshift, okay. and he's playing uh, Pat Pod, the four-color Kiki Pod deck. What's your fourth color in the Scapeshift deck? Black. Interesting. Uh, the this Scapeshift deck is very all-in on so like ramping and... No white. Yeah, yeah, no white. And you're not a mid-range deck. You're tutoring for Scapeshift, and you're trying to kill them with Okay, it. cool. Um, and so, he's on Pat Pod? And he's on Pat Pod. Classic. So Pat mulligans to second six, and then immediately keeps second six. And so... Ooh, okay. Pat and I have played a lot. In fact, we talked in the car on the way down. And what I know about Pat is that he will mulligan really, really aggressively to find hands that are relevant in the matchup. And so since he knows what deck I'm playing, I know he's mulliganing for a hand oh, that's man, good against so my deck. Levels down here. Right, exactly. Okay. So it gets even more interesting because good Pat Potter or Kiki Pot hands involve an elf on one and then a play afterwards. And Pat's on the plane, he goes, land, go. So. Good lord, are you okay? Yeah, that startled me. Um, so, so he goes, land, go. So I untap, okay. and I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. Pat wouldn't keep a hand without an elf unless there are other very good cards in it. So then uh, I play my land. We play we play Drago for a little bit. Pat plays a Sylvan Library uh, on turn two. And then good Sylvan card. Library is a card that lets you draw more yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. And, and Pat pays four life three turns in a row. He pays quite a lot of life to this, life to this Sylvan Library, wow. but still doesn't really develop. And so... What has he got? Right, so this is exactly why the game was really, really interesting. At this point, uh, I know Pat's list, because I've seen it, and he knows my list. And so I know that he must have kept a hand with interaction. Uh, <laughs> and the interaction that the only interaction I can think of that I know he would keep is Avon Mind Sensor. I was going to say, is it Avon Mind Sensor? Right, it's exactly this card. The card that goozles the scapeshift deck. Right, it's very good against tutors, so it's two and a white for a 2-1 bird that says, if an opponent would search his or her library, uh, or search a library, that player searches the top four cards of that library instead. So they're waiting for you to scapeshift and then to try and goozle you. Right, exactly. All so right. it gets even more interesting <laughs> because then on one of the subsequent turns, I've just been playing lands. I have removal spells, so I actually have an answer to the Avon Mind Sensor. So I've been playing a couple of ramp spells, but he's been holding the, the Avon Mind Sensor sure. because he knows I can be holding up removal spells. I have enough mana on tap, but it's, <laughs> it's not worth running the Mind Sensor out. Okay. So then uh, finally... He casts an Eladomri's Call, a green-white search for a creature card, yeah. and he goes and gets Wall of Roots. And, and, and so, you know, earlier in the set review when we talked about it, I said good with Court of Calling. Uh, when he tutored for Wall of Roots, I immediately wrote down on my life pad Court, Court of, calling. of Calling. Right, yeah. exactly. Wrote down because I was certain that's the card he had in his hand. Okay. It, it was the only thing that made sense. He had to have Avon Mind Sensor, a bunch of expensive cards, and probably some tutors in his hand. Oh, and man, so you guys are going deep here. Right, so then we ended up in this dance where I know he has Court of Calling and Avon Mind Sensor. You think? I think. I, I know. I, I, I'm fairly <laughs> certain in my read at this point. And frankly, it's not worth losing to those cards at that point because he's played in such a way that it, they're the only cards he can have. Okay. So what ultimately ends up happening is that I have a Murderous Cut that I can cast. I have Grim Tutor, which is one black black, search for a card, lose three life. Okay. And I have seven lands in play. So if I, right now I can Grim Tutor and no. cast Scape Shift. Yeah, I was going to say, why is Seven Lands significant for those people ah. who aren't familiar with Scape Shift? So with Seven Lands, I can cast Scape Shift. 
sack all my lands, go get Valakid and six mountains, and deal 18 damage to Pat. Pat's at eight because yeah. he's been so yeah, library yeah, yeah, yeah. so much. So the life total doesn't matter, but the fact that Escape Shift works does. I also have a Sylvan Library in play. And so, but what's happened is that Pat has just tutored for Glenelendra Archmage on his turn. Good he hasn't turn. cast it yet, yeah. but Glenelendra Archmage is three and a blue for a creature that has Persist and for a blue can counter a non-creature spell. Yeah. Basically, if this resolves, I'm dead. Yeah. My life total is too low, he's yeah, going to be yeah, able to yeah, beat yeah, me yeah. down. So, I have, so I'm now in this position where I, I know he has Mind Sensor, I know he has Cord, I have a Sylvan Library that. in play, I know I have the win if I find a land, and you're expecting the story to be really sweet and be about me perfectly reading the game and finding a land on top and winning. And that's not what happened. <laughs> I, I look at the top three cards in my library. The first one, Hunting Wilds. Not great. Finds more lands, but costs four. Too expensive. The second one, Valakit the Molten Pinnacle. Not uh, especially helpful. Nope. That one enters tapped. The third one is Sheltered Thicket. Another tapped land, but it's a mountain, which is why it's in my deck, because I need more mountains. Yeah. And so I end up having to just cast my Grim Tutor, Pat casts the Mind Sensor in response. I kill the Mind Sensor, and then I take a really long time Grim Tutoring, and finally I get my card, I set it down, then I think for another minute, then I play Boseju, who shelters sure. all, yeah. planning to be able to resolve Scape Shift through, through Glenel the Glenelandra. Yeah, but then I have to just look scary because he has a Restoration Angel in play, and I know he has Cord in hand. And so I just have to, like, and the only lands I have up are Island Forest, and so I just have to, like, sit, sit there, there and scowl. Right, looking as menacing as possible with this island forest. Look not dead. Yeah, and Pat draws his card and then just goes in the tank for five minutes. Because it's an untimed round. Both of us have been tanking on our turns. Neither of us are, are willing to, like, try and make the other person play faster. We get this uh, super intense game. And then finally he's like, you know, screw it. That's not what he actually said, but we're a family-friendly show. And he just goes, screw it, and, and slams it on the table. And I'm like, yeah, I'm dead. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> So like it was just this really sweet game, really interesting, really cool because like basically all the cards from my side are on the table from the very beginning. Yeah. And from his side, he has to like navigate the fact that I know exactly what he has. Huh. So it was this really sweet, really cool, really interesting game. Probably probably one of the most fun games I've played in like maybe maybe a year. It was oh, maybe fantastic. maybe the best game I've played in a while. So. No, I like that's why we love this format. Yeah, and it's like. It's, it's, there's no sort of one single play that's like powerful magic, but just the whole story, I think, really signifies why this format is really interesting and, and intense. All right. Well, that's our episode for the day. Uh, we went over Arcanic Masters. We, uh, we talked about some sweet plays in the Seattle community, which we're, like, stoked to see developing. Yeah. Um, we missed out on Alex, which is too bad, but hopefully he's feeling better, and we'll see him soon. And uh, we want to say thank you for all your support, uh, especially at patreon.com slash Run. It's because of that that we can continue to make shows like this, so thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next episode. So until then, uh, have a good one.